And Brother Bloom talked nice about me there, but he offended me earlier. He looked at my picture and he said, that's a long time ago, isn't it? And uh, that picture was taken when I was 12. And I'm 35 now, so it is, it is pretty old. I had a lady not too long ago in a meeting, and she said, now are you the speaker? I said, yes, I am. She said, I've been looking for you for a couple of days. You don't look anything like your picture. So, preacher, I promise I'll get that picture updated, probably. <clears throat> Good to see you. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here. It is an absolute privilege. Uh, I've had two, I've had a lot of great privileges, but let me mention ministry-wise, uh, one of the greatest blessings I've ever had in my life was to pastor, found and pastor Heritage Baptist Church up in the Virginia area, just a suburb of Washington, D.C. I am not responsible for Virginia's governor. I left and it fell apart. That's when he became what he became. But the other great privilege I've had ministry-wise is to serve with BIMI. Now, please understand, I think there are many good missions boards. I'm, I'm not trying to act like BIMI is the only board. But I am saying that it is a group of godly men and women who truly have the heart to reach the world and simply be servants to the local church and servants to the people who calls or who God calls from those churches to go to the mission field. And uh, I personally have never seen a more sacrificial group of men, both in leading their churches to sacrifice for missionaries, but in also sacrificing their time and all that they can do for that. So I'm just privileged and, and uh, I, I'm glad for the opportunity uh, to represent BIMI and to be here as part of that in your conference. We've got some great missionaries with us. Most of them I know, and uh, I know the Irvins and the Gilberts uh, have been in conferences with them before, and uh, they are both getting near ready to go. And I'm excited for that because I was with both of them when they were nowhere near getting ready to go. Uh, they were just starting out, but they've been so faithful, and uh, God has blessed them, and of course, I know Brother Deku's father and uh, have been privileged to get the privilege of preaching for him in May. I'm looking forward to that in Fiji. And then to get to meet the Reitzels. Uh, I know of them, but I get to meet them and looking forward to time of fellowship. All right, I'll shut up. Let's preach. Amen. Now, I want to show you the most meaningless act in a Baptist church. When a preacher takes his watch off, it doesn't mean he's watching it. It hurts his wrist, and he just wants to get it off his hand. I'll be conscious of your time. I know there's a lot planned this week, and uh, I never take for granted when people come that they are here to hear the Word of God, and I will do my very best to be prayerful and uh, deliberate in sharing with you thoughts that I think can be a help and a blessing to you. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. And when you find Matthew 28, would you find as well Acts chapter 1 and verse 8? I know that both of those are incredibly familiar passages, but it's a jumping off place. And uh, I think tonight that if you'll listen and uh, take in what is said, you'll have an understanding of missions that maybe will be an encouragement and maybe one that you've not had before. 
As you're turning there, let me say this by way of introduction. I'm a little bit older now, and I don't know how much time I have. My hope is that Jesus comes before I give up the ghost. But if Jesus doesn't come, I suppose I'm, I've got a lot less than I've lived. And uh, to be honest with you, I don't want to waste my time. I, I don't want to buy into just human efforts. I, I don't want to just buy into programs. I want to know that what I'm giving my days and my energy to is what God wants done. And when it comes to missions, I want you to know that God has instituted a plan to reach the world. And in this 21st century, I think one of the greatest things that we can aspire to is to do exactly what they did in the first century. I want to see what the church of the apostles did and how they reached the world. And then I would suggest to you, because we have a a God that never changes, that God's plan is still viable for today, and that what we're doing tonight and what we will do all through this week in this conference and what you will perform for the next year if Jesus doesn't come is exactly what God told that first century church to do And isn't it good that we're following along in God's plan? Now, to do that, we're going to read these two passages. I'm going to introduce to you one word, and then we're going to make our sermon and uh, see what God wants us to see. Notice with me, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Let's ask God's help as we study. Father, we pray now tonight that you would use this time, and Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit to minister to us. It's your word. It is, it is your world, it is your plan, it is your heart, your desire to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we see what you want done and then get involved with what you're doing. Give us that help tonight. Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I know you know the Great Commission. I know you go to a good church that has taught you the Great Commission for years, but let me just restate it for a moment. Number one, we are to go and teach all nations. You know that what that means, according to the word there, is that we are to make disciples. We are to preach the gospel, let men know that they are away from God, that they are lost in their condition, but that God loves them, and that Jesus Christ died for them, and if they by faith will admit that they are sinners and ask the Lord to be their Savior, they can be saved. By the way, we're not only to be involved in sending people to win souls and witness the truth, we're to be actively witnessing the truth ourselves. It is God's commission for us as much as it is for every one of these families that have been introduced tonight. 
after we witness to them and see them saved, God says we are to baptize them. We are to baptize them because God wants us to be identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. To be honest with you, baptism in the United States, though sometimes it can cause a little bit of a ripple in a family, it it doesn't have the same stigma that it might across the world. In some places, to be baptized, to accept Jesus and be baptized, you may lose everything you have. But when we know Christ as our Savior, there's a willingness to step forward and say, He identified with me, I'm willing to identify with Him, and to go under the waters and to be baptized in the likeness of His death and then raised in the likeness of His resurrection. And then that brings us to the third part of that commission. We are to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, And in my understanding, that requires a church. So in other words, we went into the Lord, we baptized them in the church, and then in that church, we teach them over the weeks, the months, and the years how to live like the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to live. That's what the commission is. And so we have before us this evening and through this week, we have men and women who are going to go found churches, plant churches, for the purpose of preaching the gospel, baptizing new converts, and teaching them to walk in the Lord. Now I want you to go to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, because the question is now, where do we do that? Where do we do that? And here's what the Lord says in chapter 1 and verse 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, I don't know about you, but I know about me, and I was born and raised. My folks were from the coal fields of Kentucky. They moved to Cincinnati for work, and I got saved in Cincinnati. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. A soul winner went by and knocked on my dad's door when he was 62 years old and led him to Christ. My mom got saved, and when she got saved, my brother and I were grown and out of the home. But boy, when you get a Kentucky girl excited, she's going after those boys. And she arranged for me to speak to a soul winner. I didn't know it, but her and the soul winner knew it. And he cornered me and spoke to me for 45 minutes that I was a sinner on my way to hell. It offended me. He told me I was on my way to hell and I deserved hell, but if I would turn to Jesus Christ, He loved me and gave Himself for me and I could be saved through the blood of Jesus Christ and I could be saved and in heaven like my mom and dad were going to be in heaven. Well, the end of the story is I got saved. Back in Cincinnati, Ohio in 1975, Now I want to tell you, God is still doing that today. And God is doing that in Ocala. And that's why He says, I want you to do that both in, in other words, in four places at one time, I want you to do that in Jerusalem. I want you to do that in the environs where you live. 
Hey, we are called to witness the truth of Christ to our neighbors, those we work with. Then he adds this, and in all Judea. Now, I don't know exactly what Judea equates to, but in my mind, it's easy to see uh, Jerusalem as Ocala and Judea as Florida. Hey, folks, Florida needs the gospel. And we ought to be planting churches across Florida, and we ought to be witnessing to folks in Florida, but not stop with Florida because Samaria needs the gospel. And it's easy for me to see perhaps that as the United States. And my goodness, the, the United States needs churches. It needs the gospel. It needs witnesses. And then he goes on and he says, now listen, don't be satisfied with Jerusalem and don't be satisfied uh, with Judea and don't be satisfied with Samaria because I want you to reach the entire world to the uttermost region because here's an amazing thing. Our God loves Everybody on this planet. God knows who they are, where they are, what they need, and He wants somebody to reach them because in His great heart, He loves them. He loves them. It's hard for us to get a hold of that. And then He says, okay, here's how I want you to get it done. I don't know about you, Brother Deku mentioned seven and a half billion people. I can't count past ten. Seven and a half billion people. How do we from Ocala reach seven and a half billion people? I'll tell you, God didn't leave it up to us. He gave us a plan, and I want you to notice that plan this evening. Now, I'm not a preacher that very often gives Greek words, but I want to give you one word in the New Testament that if we will study it through and see it, we will understand God's plan to reach the world. Here's the word. It's not even a pretty Greek word. It is the Greek word propempo. We would spell it P-R-O-P-E-M-P-O. It's translated a number of different ways. Brought, being brought, bring forth, Accompanied, supported, conducted. One scholar says that it means to outfit someone, to fit them out for the journey. Now what I want to do for the next few moments is take a walk through the book of Acts and the New Testament, and I want you to see that if we will follow that little word and understand it in three ways, we will understand missions. Number one it is to be used in the sense of monetary support. I know this is a fundamental Baptist church, and we're never supposed to say money. But you know what I love about this? None of it's for here. None of it's for us. We're talking about money that's going to go anywhere and everywhere but here. It's giving. Not only in the sense of monetary support, but in the sense of prayer support, and then what I'm going to call third in the sense of emotional support. Notice them with me. Here's number one, monetary support. Notice in Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. I just want to read three verses, and we'll take a look at what it means. Acts 15 and verse 1. 
And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. That's not true. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem under the apostles and elders about this question, and being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenice and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. Now I want you to notice in verse 3, and being brought. That is the word we're studying, the word propimpo. What took place? Paul and Barnabas are telling people about Jesus Christ. And as they're seeing people saved in the area of Antioch, some Judaizers come from Jerusalem. And they say, hey, you can't really be saved by just trusting Jesus Christ. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to believe the parts of the law. You've got to live like a Jew to really be saved. And I'm glad that Paul and Barnabas disputed with them. And they went back to the church and they said, hey, there's Judaizers come down here and they are Judaizing the gospel and it's not right. And they discuss it there and the conclusion is we need to go up to Jerusalem and counsel with James and Peter and some of the others and just make sure we're thinking right on this. And so Paul and Barnabas, now get this, we're going to deputize you to go in our place. We can't all go up to Jerusalem. We're going to send you up to Jerusalem. And since we're sending you up to Jerusalem to get an answer to that question, we're going to fit you out for the journey. We don't expect you to spend your own money. We don't expect you to eat your own bread. We're asking you to go. We're deputizing you to go in our place we will fit you out for the journey to go. Now listen, let's think this thing through. We're here tonight because God has commissioned Central Baptist Church of Ocala, Florida to win the world to Jesus Christ. That's a big job. And here's the truth. Not all of us can go to all of these countries. As a matter of fact, not many of us can go to all of these countries. And so what we have is a system where the Reitzels are called to Spain, where the Irvins are called to Rwanda and Uganda, where the Dekus are called to Fiji, and where people that aren't that bright go to where it's 10 below zero. The Gilberts are going to, Cle- to Cleveland, to, to, to Greenland. And, and here's what we've got to understand. Listen, it's God's call on their life, but we were commissioned as a church. It's our job. And so what we've got to do is deputize them and say, Tom, Kristen, if you'll go to Rwanda and Uganda in our place, and you'll witness and work there, and by the way, the fruit that they bear will redound to our account as well, but we will send you, we will fit you out for the journey to go there. Hey church, what we're doing tonight is exactly what they did in the first century at the church of Antioch. I want you to notice another passage with me. Turn over very quickly to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. 
And notice this. In Romans 15, notice in verse 22. For which cause I also have been much hindered from coming to you, Paul speaking, but now having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come unto you, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey, and get this, to be brought on my way thitherward by you, if first I may be somewhat filled with your company. Now I want you to notice that phrase, to be brought on my way thitherward by you. You know what Paul is saying? Church at Rome, I'm coming to visit you. And I'm coming to visit you because I want to preach there and I want to impart a spiritual gift there. I I want to be a blessing to you. But I want you to understand that there is another motive in my coming to the church at Rome. And here's the motive. The people in Spain have not heard the gospel. And I need to get to Spain to preach the gospel. And I'm telling you up front, I'm coming to Rome to preach to you, but I'm coming so that you can enable me monetarily so you can fit me out for the journey to go to Spain because God has commissioned you to reach Spain and I'm willing to go. He was on deputation. He was saying to that church, I need help to get there. Isn't it exciting to know that's exactly what we're doing tonight? These people have come here because God has called them to these specific places and they're saying, we need help to get there. And we're saying, come, because we're commissioned to reach that area and we will fit you out for the journey. We'll help you get there. You know, sometimes we have a mistaken notion that the Apostle Paul was always and only bivocational. That he always made tents and he never took support. Can I tell you that it's actually contrary to that? That a lot of his ministry, if not the majority of his ministry, was when he was supported by churches to go to places and out of necessity and when necessary, he was bivocational and made tents to make his living. Folks, we're doing what they did in the first century. I want you to notice 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16. And in that, I want you to begin, we'll begin reading in verse 5. 1 Corinthians 16, notice in verse 5. There the scripture says this. I get real excited about this. Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. There's that word, propimpo, bring me on my journey. Hey, he's not even saying, I know exactly where I'm going. He's saying, I know God will send me somewhere, and I will need help to get there, and I'm asking you, I'm deputizing with you, I'll go, but I need you to help me monetarily go. For I will not see you now, by the way, but I trust you to tarry a while, but I trust to tarry a while with you if the Lord permit, but I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, 
For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. Now, if Timotheus come, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord, as I also do. Let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. What just happened there? Paul said, listen, there were people who supported me to come to Corinth. And I came to Corinth and I preached to you and you were saved because of the sacrifice of others. Now, I'm telling you, I'm coming back because there's some things I need to set in order and I want to preach to you and I want to be an encouragement to you. But while I'm there, I, I God is going to call me somewhere else and I want you to enable me financially, monetarily, to go to that other place. Now, as if that weren't enough, he says this. And by the way, Timothy's coming and I want you to conduct him. I want you to give so that he is able to go with me. Now folks, I'm not here trying to be silly, but I'm just telling you, it takes sacrificial giving from God's people to win a lost world to Christ. And these people are going on shoestrings. They are going with barely enough. They are going because God has called them to places that, number one, I would not go unless God called me. And number two, we can't go. And so God says our job is to fit them out for the journey, to make them able to get to that place, to buy the plane tickets, to to provide the income that allows them to buy the bread they need for their children, to to live in a home where they can raise their children and conduct their ministry, to have a place where the church can meet, and on and on and on. Hey, newsflash, it takes there exactly what it takes here. Giving. Money. And so you and I have the incredible privilege to be a part of God's plan just as it was in operation in the first century in the first church. Can I suggest to you that if it was good enough for Paul and Barnabas and Silas and Timothy and Antioch and Corinth and Philippi, that's pretty good stuff for Ocala too. Now, I don't care how much money we give these people. Money will not do the work of God. Money will support the work of God. But as Brother Deku said so very clearly, without prayer, God's work does not get done. And I want you to know, we not only outfit these people with funds, we have to outfit these people with prayer. Go back with me to Acts chapter 21 for a moment. Acts chapter 21. And I want you to notice in verse 1. And it came to pass that after we were gotten from them and had launched, we came with a straight course unto Cus, and the day following unto Rhodes, and from thence unto Petara, and finding a ship sailing over unto Phoenicia, we went aboard and set forth. Now, can I ask you a question? Does Paul have the money for his tickets? Yeah, he's already bought them. He's on the boat. 
He has the money for his journey. He's not asking for money. He's not on deputation for money when he stops here. Now notice verse 3. Now when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand, sailed into Syria, and landed at Tyre. For there the ship was to unlaid her burden. And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. And when we had accomplished those days, we departed and went our way, and they all brought us, there it is, that's that word, propimpo, they all brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city, and we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. Listen, the tickets were bought. The food was in the satchel. They simply stopped at this place because the ship was unloading some cargo and getting ready then to continue on to Jerusalem. And while they were there, Paul went to this house church. And in this house church, they tried to convince him, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. You're going to suffer in Jerusalem. I I, I had a vision. It's not going to be easy for you in Jerusalem. Paul was set. He was going to Jerusalem. But I want you to notice what these people in this church did. When the ship was ready to leave, the Bible says they all walked back down to the dock with Paul and his, his, his group. And I, I want you to know that when it says propimpo, it doesn't mean they carried him on their shoulders. It doesn't mean they gave him money. He didn't need money. Do you know what they went to the dock to do? Do you know how they were fitting him out for the journey? It simply says there on those docks they knelt and prayed. Because Paul was going into a situation that might well cost him his life. They were pleading with God to protect him and enable him and provide him with the wisdom and protection that he needed. And oh, may I say to you, if we give these guys all the work fund they need and all the personal funds they need, they need more than any of that, the protecting and providing and empowering hand of God upon their life. That only comes through prayer. They are going to cultures where they don't know the language. They're going to cultures where it will be acclimatized like nothing they've ever known before. They are going to meet people that have no sense of what the gospel is. In, in, in some cases, they're downright pagan. And they would just as soon kill somebody who questions their false god as look at them. They're going to places that have disease that our bodies have never experienced. We don't have any antibodies for it. They're going to places where they don't know what to eat and they can't drink the water. And all I'm saying, church, is what right do we have to just sit back and say, well, we gave them some money. They need us on our faces before God praying for them. We must outfit them, prepare them for the journey by praying for them. Get a missionary letter. Know what their needs are. Pick a family and pray for a family. Pick two or three families. Pray for two or three. But intercede for these families. They are going into things they do not even know themselves. Here's 
Number five, and I end with this. I want you to notice, just drop back a chapter to verse 33. When Paul begins this journey, notice it in verse 33. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things how that so laboring you ought to support the weak. To remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how He said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when He had thus spoken, He kneeled down and prayed with them all. Now let me ask you a question before I read the next verse. They've already got their tickets, and they've already prayed, but I want you to notice verse 37. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him, there's our word, propimpo, they accompanied him unto the ship. Well, why in the world did they go down to the ship? They'd already given, they'd already prayed, what's the use in going down to the ship? And I'll tell you what I believe it is, because they didn't know that they would ever see his face again, and they didn't know if he would live another week or another month, and they wanted to simply say to them, we will stand and watch you go, and we will stand here, and till you get over the horizon, you will know that we stand in support of you, and we care about you. Yeah, we got stuff we ought to do, but Paul, you're going into danger, and we're going to stand here. We've prayed for you, and we will pray for you, but we're going to lift you up. Up and Paul, as far out as you get and you can see, we will stand here with you. Man, we send these kids over. How many kids you got, Paul? Six, Six kids. Now you're a bad example because your grandpa's over there. Where's your mom and dad? New Jersey. Are they glad the kids are getting out of here? Think about it, folks. Little Emmy's birthday. You know where Emmy had her birthday? No grandma in sight. No grandpa in sight. You know where Emmy had her birthday? Over at the banquet. And thank God for sweet Christian people that gathered around little Emmy and sang her happy birthday. Do you think Mrs. Deku has the same dreams and desires for her children that you have for yours? I'm just telling you, these people give stuff up we don't even understand. They make sacrifices that we don't even compute. And we don't have time to pray for them. I'm saying to you that just to know that somebody remembers you. They will wake up some days on this mission field and it will have been a hard day and facing a hard day. And they will be with people who could care less about them and care less about their gospel. And man, sometimes when you wake up, it just occurs to you, does anybody in the world know we are here? And then an email comes from a family in Central Baptist Church at Ocala. Hey, read your letter last night. We're praying for those things you mentioned. 
And we know it's Emmy's birthday. And we're praying for Emmy to have a wonderful birthday. I'm telling you, being supported in that way can make more difference than a thousand dollars. Just somebody knowing they're there, somebody caring that they're there. I look at this family going to Spain, and I don't know how old everybody is, but at some point, somebody's going to college, and they're going to drop their kid off and get back on a plane and go back over to Spain. That would, my wife would be a basket case if that happened. We don't even think about it. We don't even think about it. Get a missionary letter. Get familiar with a family. I mean really familiar with a family. We used to at family altar, we would sit around the table and we would talk about this family and this little child and what they were doing and what they needed and we would pray for that family and communicate with that family just so they knew that somebody else on the globe knew where they were. Hey, church, that's what we're called to do. We're called to dig deep in our pockets and sacrifice so that they can go. But there's not enough money on the world to do the work of God. Once we enable them to get there, we are to be prayer warriors on their behalf, praying provision and protection for their health and protection for their children, praying power to learn the language and power to preach in the language and power to understand the culture. I don't, I moved to North Carolina, I don't even understand them. I don't know why they put vinegar on barbecue. Doesn't make any sense to me. Can you imagine what it takes to go get a new culture? And let's remember them. Let's remember them. Oh, we had a great conference. We sent them off well. Yeah, but what about a year from now? What about when their child has a fever and there's no doctor in the village? Who's lifting him up then? Who's remembering them then? That's our job. That's what they did in the first century. Well, they sent them, but they prayed for them, and they supported emotionally those people that they sent. That's God's plan to reach the world. Now, here's my question. Are you involved with what God is doing? Are you giving to faith promise in the measure that God would have you to give? Aren't you glad what God gave wasn't just what He could comfortably do? He gave it all for us. Let me ask you this. Are you praying? Do you genuinely intercede for your missionaries? God bless the missionaries. Do you know a name? Do you know a need? Do you know a place? Do you spend minutes, maybe hours a day, interceding for your missionaries? Do you emotionally support your missionaries? Could you, do you have an email address? 
Do you have an address? Could you send a packet? I'm not scolding and I'm not trying to talk down. I'm just trying to say it's bigger than a few dollars a week, a year. It's so much more. And you and I are the church here, Central Baptist Church, Ocala. And God commissioned us. You send somebody over there to witness and to baptize, plant a church and teach those people all things, whatever I've commanded them. But wait a minute, don't you forget them because they're going into a culture where they're going to need people to pray for them every day. And don't you forget that they hurt and they have needs and they need to be remembered and supported. Are you involved in what God is doing in those ways. Would you pray with me?